we are kicking off a series, not to be hyperbolic, but a series that I have wanted to preach since I was 12 years old. This is the series I have begged God to anoint me to preach for the rest of my life. And the title of this series is Friend of God. I believe the God of the universe wants to be best friends with every human who has ever given life on this planet. And so, for the next four months, you and I are going to take a journey together. And we're going to answer some questions every week. Now, part one, uh, week one, chapter one of the book, uh, I'm going to have to do over two weeks because I went through run-through for the first time on Saturday, yesterday, and I got halfway through the message and the Lord goes, that's as far as we go this weekend. Yes, sir. Serve at the pleasure of the CEO of the universe. So we're only doing the first two points. The question we're going to answer today, because if I'm going to make the case to you that the God of the universe wants to be best friends with you, we need to answer the question, does God want friends? Preston, like, does God even want friends? He's God. Does he actually even want friends? So in order to understand that God does want friends, we need to study a few things. Here's the first thing we're going to study. If you want to know whether or not God wants friends, you need to study and understand God before man. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God. I think there's a divine pause between the word God or name God and the word created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, question. Before anything which ever was, what was? God was. Here's another way to say it. Before anything which was ever created was created, God was infinitely existing in eternity. The word infinite means without limits. And the word eternity means without beginning or end. God, before anything which ever was, was, God was infinitely existing in eternity. John chapter 1 verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, capital W, Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the word was God. This episode of Sesame Street is brought to you by the word was. <laughs> Here's how Jude 25 says it. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, all majesty, all power, all authority are his before all time. Watch this run. It is theologically genius before all time and in the present in other words and in time remember time is a created thing time and space are created things before they were created what was god was before all time and in time and beyond all time okay preston this is too much for my brain to handle so can you simplify this by answering this question what were things like 
before there was any thing. I know everybody could answer this question differently, but I'll try and take a stab at this. If I were to try and find two words that best describe what things were like before there was anything, here are the two words I would use, capital P, capital L, perfect love. Perfect love. Now, before I teach you this next part, I need to teach you one of the attributes of God. Now, we're going to do two weeks on the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God later in the series. Because if you want to be best friends with God, you need to know what God is like. Some of us think we know what God is like because we think God is who we think he is. But scripture tells us who God actually is. And if you want to be friends with God, you need to know who your friend actually is, not who you think he is. So we'll get to the attributes, but before I teach you this next part, I need to teach you one of his attributes. It's called immutability. The immu immutability of God means God is unchangeable. It's the unchangeability of God. Here's another way to say it. The immutability of God means God does not, will not, cannot change. Here's another way to say it. Anything which is, anything which God is, he has always been and he will always be. So just remember that, all right? Because as I walk you through this next part, you need to remember anything God is, he always was and always will be. Anything God always will be, God is and always was. You, you, you tracking with me? Okay, let's jump into this. Let me show you why I would say perfect love. First, God was perfect. This is why I would say perfect love. Matthew 5, 48, Jesus himself said, your father, your heavenly father is perfect. Remember, anything God is, he was. So before anything which ever was, was God was perfect. That's not all. God was, remember, 1 John 4, 8 says what? God is love. If God is love, that means God, before anything which ever was, was, God was love. That means, if God is perfect and God is love, before anything which ever was, was, God was perfectly loving and being perfectly loved. I love you, whoever you are that just clapped for that. Because I, 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 listen, this has been 33 years in the making between me and the Lord, cooking up this bread with nobody watching. Don't act like I'm standing up here saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G. The God of the universe for the next four months of your life and beyond is going to woo you. I believe by saying things to you in his word, you've never heard him say to you. So you can clap. I like that. John 17, if you put a marker there, we're going to come back to this passage because it's just too robust to try and cover in five minutes. John chapter 17, starting in verse 20, Jesus is praying to the Father. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, the ones in front of me, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. Now, total transparency, I've always kind of thought that this passage was about unity, our unity. 
Here's what I felt like the Lord helped me understand this week. Preston, the point of the passage isn't unity, it's intimacy. That's where I got it wrong during COVID. I, I was rah rahing unity. The enemy's coming after our unity. The goal of the family of God inside the family isn't unity, it's intimacy. Watch this. I pray they will be one, just as you and I are one. Watch this, this is intimate. I'm gonna come back to this because this is filthy. As you are in me, in me, intimate language. Father, I am in you. The theological term here is perichoresis. An intimacy so intimate, the human mind can't even fathom it between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, I am in you and you are in me. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that, watch this, you love them as much as you love me. Remember, we talked about this a couple months ago. This is Jesus saying, as God loves God, God loves you. What? Jesus says, the goal is that you would love them. They would know that you would love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me, more intimate language, where I am. Jesus is saying, Father, I am so obsessed with them. I want them to be with me wherever I am at all times. Then they can see all the glory you gave me. Watch this next part. This is the part I wanted you to see. Because you loved me even before the world began. God could not be love without someone to love and someone to be loved by. God didn't need man in order to be love. Before anything which was created was created, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in a perfect loving relationship. It was quite literally this, capital P, capital L, perfect love, perfectly loving, and being perfectly loved. Here's the word Jesus used to describe this perfect love situation before creation. Glory. Preston, here's how I would describe how amazing it was before anything ever was. Glory. So robust, you can't even wrap your mind around it, Preston. John 17, 5, Jesus said, Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So here's the situation before time and space were created. God was. I would never say just God. It was just God because that seems to minimize what was. So robust in his being, so incomprehensible. What was before anything was, was God. Here's the situation God was in. Everything was perfect. 
because everything was God and God is perfect. Now, since God is a relational being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God is perfect, this therefore means God was in a perfect relationship. This is what was before anything else ever was because God is perfect, everything was perfect because God is love and God is perfect. The relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was perfect. This is extremely important to catch. Before anything was, God was in perfect relationship needing nothing. Here's the equation. God is perfect. I'll use past tense for before creation. God was perfect. God was love. God is relational being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God had no needs. This is the equation. One could say nothing needed to change. Things couldn't get any better. Everything was perfect. How do you improve perfection? You don't. But what happens next isn't about perfection. It's about pursuit. What happens next isn't about God needing something. It's about God wanting something. You. This to me is the burden for the whole series, the book. What God had with God, God wanted with man. Now let me personalize it for you. What God had with God before creation, God wants with you right now and forever. Jenny, come on. Is that not overwhelming? That the God of the universe says, what I had with myself before anything which ever was, was. I want with you. And that's why you lay on your face on a map for hours a day alone with me. Because you have gotten the revelation what I wanted with God. What I had with God, I wanted with you. God had a perfect relationship, but wanted a specific relationship. Yours. That brings us to the next thing we need to understand. If we're going to make a case that God actually wants friends. First, you need to study God before man. Then you need to study and understand man before the garden. We're not even to the garden yet. This is where we come to the origin story of mankind. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, already jumping to it. Genesis 2, God formed man. No, no, no. Before God forms man, I want to show you something else he was doing. Long before God made man, God's heart was set on man. Let me show you. If you're in Genesis 1, look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings. Question, who is us? To whom is God speaking with? It's Father is speaking to the Son and the Holy Spirit. This, whether you realize it or not, is the first divine deliberation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we have recorded. Let me say it another way. Little Bible trivia. Did you know that the very first 
divine deliberation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on record had one subject, you. They were talking about you. Let us. They didn't say make Adam, Adam. Let us make Preston. I'm a human being. They were talking about us long before God formed man. God had man on his heart. Well, Preston, this really does just seem like he's talking about Adam and Eve. Okay? No. No, this is what God is like. Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Listen to what Jeremiah said he heard God say to him. The Lord gave me this message, Jeremiah says. This is God talking. Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you. This is gangster. Jeremiah, I formed you. You can talk back. I am okay with that. Yes, it is, sir. Any of y'all that watched The Basement when Timmy and I did it, I laughed so, I laughed so hard when he started talking about the old days when I was at seven. And, and people were like, so good, so good. And Timmy wanted to scream, you know. Okay, where am I? Uh, my mind went, so, oh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, this is what God said to me. I formed you. But before I formed you, I knew everything about you. I was staring at you long before I ever even made you. I was talking about you with the Son and the Holy Spirit before I even gave life to you. This is our God. And whether you want to realize it or admit it or not, this is how God is with you. Before he ever formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. And that's intimate language. Preston, I studied everything there is to know about you before one moment of your life was ever lived. That's what obsession looks like. Long before God made man, God had set his heart on man. Okay, what happens next? So God's heart is set on man. What happens next? God forms man. God made man by forming man. This word is important. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Now, interestingly enough, we're a chapter and a half into God's holy word, and there are several words used to describe God's behavior in this first chapter and a half. God created the heavens and the earth. God made the two different lights to be different. He created, he made. In the Hebrew, asa, bara. But then there's a different word that God uses describing the creation of man. Yatser. And this Hebrew word, yatser, literally means to handcraft. And there's an image attached to this word. The biblical imagery that is attached to biblical words. If you ever do word studies, it will blow your mind. 
there is an image attached to this biblical word in the Hebrew. It is that of a potter personally handcrafting, shaping himself a single piece of clay. God didn't just make man or create man. He personally handcrafted man. God created the earth, but God handcrafted the man. Why? God created the earth to be exactly what man needed. God formed man to be exactly what God wanted. God did not delegate the creation of man to anyone else. He wanted something specific, and so he did it himself. He did not say to the angels, uh, somebody go whip up James Preston Morrison, please. Get the picture in the garden. That of a potter going into the dust of the ground and handcrafting you, shaping you. Ever heard that saying, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. They ripped that off from God. Because <laughs> God literally looked at you and said, I could dispatch this responsibility to anybody. You think you know what I want out of her. But I want something so specific out of her that I can't entrust handcrafting her to anyone else. There is something I want out of him that I don't want from anybody else. And so I am personally going to handcraft him in his mother's womb according to exactly what I want from him. God made man by forming man. What happens next? God's talking about man with the Son and the Holy Spirit. God forms man from the dust of the ground. What happens next? God gave life to man by breathing into man. Genesis 2, verse 7. God breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a nephesh, a living person with a soul. Okay, let's go back to the garden. Now, this is what's called anthropomorphism in Scripture, theologically. Anthropomorphism, I've taught you this before, our limited minds can't wrap themselves around an infinite God whose ways are unsearchable. But the writers in Scripture, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, using anthropomorphisms would, would talk about God as though he were human so that we could kind of understand. So scripture says God formed as though God had actual hands like me, but he doesn't because he's not a man. God forms Adam from the dust of the ground. Then scripture says God breathed the breath of life. Please get this picture because Adam is now formed but without life. I don't care how sexy your form is if you don't have the breath of life. You ain't got squat. So God, get the picture, God breathes. The breath of life into man. This is genius. 
This picture right here can say far more than a thousand words. Have you ever been in a restaurant where somebody was choking and their, their face started changing colors, blue and purple, people start screaming, does anybody know CPR? And nobody in the restaurant knows CPR. They pass out. You're in another part of the restaurant and you hear people screaming, does anyone know CPR? And no one in the restaurant knows CPR except you. I do. Her family grabs you by the arm, nails digging into your flesh, whisks you to this young woman who is not getting oxygen. She is laid out on the ground as though she were lifeless. She's not moving. She's not convulsing. She's losing the color in her face. Her family's shouting, do something. You jump down on the ground. You start doing breath and compression. Hit the pause button. I'm going to botch this part of the picture, okay? Don't judge me. I had to take the CPR class a couple months ago for Foster, and I'm not going to lie. If someone yelled, does anyone know CPR? I would say, Holly does. <laughs> She's a lifeguard. She knows CPR. So I'm going to botch this for you doctors and nurses. <laughs> Compressions. I didn't make it 60 seconds giving a, a dummy doll CPR. I, my lungs were exhausted. Okay, so get the picture. You're getting exhausted. You finger sweep, you can't access it, and she is dying right in front of them, and her family is screaming. You're exhausted, you can't breathe anymore. No one else knows CPR. Her family is screaming, just keep breathing. If you don't breathe, she will die. So you hunker down more and just keep breathing. Why is it? that we understand the complexity of breath equating to life in a restaurant when someone is dying. But when we read Genesis 2, God breathed the breath of life, we pass on to verse eight. Why did God set it up this way? Because it's genius. God chose to give life to man by breathing into his nostrils. Why? Because God wanted man. God wanted you to understand you cannot exist without him. Even if you're apart from God, even if you're running from God, I lovingly inform you, you cannot exist without God. If you have in your chest, it ain't because you put it there. God set it up in such a way that even if you didn't want to be with him, he created you and fashioned you in such a way to send the message to you, whether you like it or not. I've set it up to where you cannot exist without me. Job 27, verse 3, Job says, as long as I live, while I have breath. He doesn't say in me. He says, while I have breath, 
from God. That's the perspective. Why did God set it up this way? I'll give you my opinion. Because when you get a revelation that you can't exist without him, that if he stops breathing in you, you stop living life as you know it. When you realize you're the girl in the restaurant, that if he doesn't breathe in me, I'm not going to be me anymore. When you get that revelation and he set it up so that we would, Preston, I set it up this way so that you would get the revelation that you can't exist without me. Because when you get an, a revelation, you're the girl in the restaurant who can't breathe without me, then the very next revelation you will get some of the greats in God's word got. Preston, I will hear you say one of the things I love to hear you say the most. God, I can't live without you. This is what David said. My whole body, being, and soul longs for you. I can't live without you. God so badly wanted man to be connected to him that he created man in such a way that man could not exist without him. What happens next? Just keeps getting better. He's talking about man. He forms man. He breathes the breath of life into man. What's the next big thing? He fashions woman. Job two, uh, Genesis 2.22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. God made woman from man. Look at verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Your translation may say a companion suitable for him. Original language, here's what the, the word literally means, like him. Now I'm going to read you a couple more verses. I, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to read you verse 19, 20, and verses following after what I just read you. So, since there was not found to be anyone like him on the earth, the Lord formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man. Like here, see if any of these are like you. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. There was no other like him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out of the man one of his ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, just ready to do this, and he brought her to the man. Watch Adam's response. The new living says it like this. At last, he exclaimed. Now, I grew up under Pastor Robert. Every time he would get to this part of the story, he would say, this is what I think Adam actually said. Whoa, man. Dad joke, but I love him for it. Why does he say at last? Why does he exclaim this? He tells you with what he says next. This one, not those ones, bad English. This one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. What's he saying? There's one like me. She will be called woman 
because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined, intimate language, to his wife. And the two are united into one. The two become one flesh, intimate language. God made woman from man. God made woman like man. Now, ladies, just so that you, you don't get it twisted here, okay? Both things can be true. Remember the divine deliberation on record. He wasn't just talking about men. Let us make men in our image. He said, let us make human beings, male and female. Ladies, you're committed, you're, you are created in the image of God, okay? But also, so you were created to be like God, but also, ladies, you were created like man. God made woman from man to be like man. What happens next? God formed man from the dust, but like God. This is the next part of the equation. Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Why? To be like us. God made woman from man to be like man. God made man from dust to be like God. Why? God made woman to be like man so man could intimately connect with woman. So then why did God make man to be like God? So that man could intimately connect with God. God literally says, I made her like you so that you could intimately connect with her. But I made you like me so that you could intimately connect with me. God created woman for man because she was exactly what he needed. God created man for himself because he was exactly what God wanted. Now let me personalize it. God created you for himself because you are exactly what he desired for himself. <laughs>